So my friends, today we have our Lord's teaching about the sanctity of marriage and the permanence of marriage and the question of, of divorce and remarriage. And it's important at the outset that we recognize that this is a, a historically difficult question, right? That even in the time of Jesus, in the time of Moses, before him, that this was a question that was not an easy one. It's not uh, an easy solution or an, an overly simplistic answer. And that the reason they're even asking him about this is because, uh, well, one, they're trying to, to test him. We hear the Pharisees trying to test him. Also, that, they, um, that Moses permitted a type of divorce, um, that a husband could write a bill of divorce and dismiss um, his wife. Uh, and so they bring this to Jesus, um, and that this, even this question, is still one which is um, today very, very difficult. It's one that is not many people want to talk about. I'm sure, very sadly, in many churches throughout the world today, um, our Lord's teachings are just going to be explained away or dismissed, or I don't know how many homilies is going to be about the second reading from Hebrews about angels, uh, just to avoid the topic altogether. But that that doesn't work. Um, but it is still, it's difficult. And it's difficult to talk about the reality of, of when marriages break down. The breakdown of a marriage um, is, is something that's very painful and it's very personal for everyone involved and that it's not something that any priest just getting up at a pulpit can just um, really simplistically just start laying stuff out there, not recognizing that, that these situations um, for both the, the parties involved, um, for the, the married couple going through this breakdown of marriage or having gone through it, for the children, for the extended families, for everyone. That there's no one in our society, I think you could safely say there's nobody in our society who's not touched by divorce in some way, whether through personal experience in their immediate family, in their own marriage, or extended family, uh, friends, uh, people that they were in their wedding, all kinds of things. We're all, we're all touched by this in some way. And so we have to uh, address this, but recognizing the, the very kind of painful and oftentimes very personal reaction that we have to it. But even in the midst of that, we need to uh, have a firm conviction to not just explain away what God reveals, right? Jesus is God. And so when Jesus said something, this is God himself revealing this to us. And that Jesus is, is very clear um, that in the beginning, like he points to the beginning, in the beginning this wasn't so Moses let you write a bill of divorce, but in the beginning that wasn't the plan. That God wrote marriage into creation. That marriage is, is, de, is designed by God. And that while it may be governed by religious and civil law, ultimately it's written into creation by divine law. That God wrote marriage. And that it's actually in the marriage uh, ritual, the preface for one of the marriage masses, we call it the one blessing. That was not, uh, that we didn't lose in, in original sin and that wasn't washed away by the flood. That this is something God gave us and He wrote it into creation. And so while we may have a lot of laws about marriage, again, in our society and in the church, ultimately it's God who wrote marriage into creation. So uh, the appeal to the beginning is looking at how did God, and Jesus is God, so He's almost saying, how did I intend this? Um, when, when it was written into creation, when, when it was all started. When, if we want to know how to do something right, we should look at what its purpose is, what it was intended to be. 
And our Lord then is very clear, but also I want to look at the two different sides of this, right? The Pharisee is there and there's the crowd, and then this is where he points to the beginning. This is the beauty of what was created. This is the ideal we should strive for. In the beginning it was not so. A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The two become one flesh. This very beautiful, positive presentation, this goal of what we're being called to. It's when the disciples ask him in private to like, they, they want to follow up about it. So again, even there with a context, we're getting that they are still not certain about this. They still don't get it. It's not just a facile, easy answer. And then he, he gives this kind of very clear um, teaching to the disciples, not as the first, um, this is how we're going to talk to the crowd or answer the Pharisees, but now with the disciples who believe in me, who I can be a little bit um, you know, clearer with, a little bit sterner with, uh, he gives us this teaching. Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. This is, what our, this is the bluntness of what our Lord needs to say. But notice, that's not how he started the conversation. And so too with the church, it can't just be that we're going to go out and just find random people and be like, if you get divorced and remarried, that's adultery. Um, that is something that we need to understand our Lord to then be brought to that. We want to build people up um, to be able to accept the truth in their lives and to be able to live that. And that we don't just kind of go, and this is something Pope Francis has, has been all about, is you don't just go and hit people over the truth, uh, hit people over the head with the truth, like a sledgehammer, so that the truth becomes a type of weapon that we're just using to condemn people. Um, no, no, no. We want to bring people in, and we want to call them higher. But we don't um, beat around the bush, and particularly with the disciples, that our Lord wants to, um, he needs to be blunt, and with us, you know, the Sunday Mass readings, the crowd at Sunday Mass is we are supposed to be a crowd of disciples where we don't listen to the Gospels with a type of skepticism or hostility, but we listen as being taught by God himself. Now, all of this, um, we need to look at how it, how it looks in the lived reality. The teaching on the permanence of marriage, the indissolubility of marriage, um, and, and the reality of, of um, adultery and what that means, we have to look at, at the, um, how this plays out in a lived reality. And the first, and I remember I, I've had conversations um, even with family members about this, um, the first is that per se, to get divorced is not the sin, right? And that there are times even, and there are times when divorce, a legal separation and even a breaking of the legal responsibilities of marriage is, is necessary, right? And so if there's ever a case of uh, physical um, danger, of abuse, uh, whether it's physical, psychological, emotional, if there's um, also, especially the, this can be the case in cases of um, where one party doesn't want, won't live exclusivity and will continue to be unfaithful in the marriage. And, and again, I, I know someone that I, I talked to a number of years ago where it's like their, their spouse said, I won't, I, I will do whatever I want with whoever I want, where I want, even in our house, and you can't stop me. And this person asks, like, is it, a, I, I need to protect myself and our child? Like, is this a sin um, for, for me to get a divorce? No. Um, there are situations where 
uh, divorce, the legal separation, and even the legal, the breaking of the legal responsibilities of marriage is, is necessary. And that's, again, that's, that's deeply painful when that, when that happens. Um, but that that's, the church's teaching on this and our Lord's teaching on this is not that somebody needs to stay in um, a, a difficult, uh, an abusive situation, a dangerous situation, um, a threatening situation, or anything like that, because we teach that marriage is permanent. Marriage is permanent, um, but nobody needs to remain in the house um, with somebody that is, that is that level of a threat. So that's not what we're talking about here, right? But even in the midst of those situations, and as difficult as it is to, to hear and at times to live, um, even when there's a legal breaking of the marriage, if, if somebody is married, um, particularly according to the law of the church, if someone is married, that marriage still exists whether it's legally acknowledged or not, and whether it's legally protected. And even if the legal surroundings and the civil surroundings of marriage need to be dissolved, the fidelity that was promised, that covenant fidelity, still remains. And that gets lived in a different way, but it still remains that covenant fidelity, which is why it's not divorce that it's the problem, but it's that when after a divorce, um, somebody begins and promises another covenant fidelity to another person in the act of remarriage. It's not the separation that's per se the sin, but it's that that fidelity has to be lived. You know, and I, I talk with couples about this when we do marriage preparation. The, the key, and I was just talking to some people about this last night, like the time to have these conversations is not when things are already breaking down and, and deeply hurtful. The time to have it is even before people get engaged. Right? The time to have this is formation in, in dating and in, in marriage preparation to be talking about what you're actually promising. But the church um, is an institution, and the state too, where if you want to promise, right? Um, if you want to promise that you will love and honor and be faithful to this person alone every day for the rest of your life, we'll let you do it. Right? We'll ask you like four, five, six times, do you, are, you really want to do this, right? You really want to do this. You, you want to promise this. You understand what you're doing. You're doing it freely. No one's forcing you. Yes. Okay, well then we'll let you do it. But then we're going to hold you to your word. Um, in a similar way, it would actually be nine years ago tomorrow is when I was ordained a deacon. And it's like, okay, as a 25-year-old you know, young guy, um, the church it asked several times, do you really want to make a, a, life a lifelong promise of celibacy and obedience and prayer? Like, do you really want to do it? Yes. Are you sure? <laughs> yes. Um, really, like, you even have to write a handwritten letter. So it's in my own handwriting to the archbishop. I, we, I know exactly what I'm promising, these promises, and I will live them every day for the rest of my life. In my own hand, you can't type it and sign it. You have to write it in your own handwriting. Okay, like, and the church holds me to that and expects me to be faithful to those promises. If you want to make a lifelong commitment, we, we let you do it, but then we, we hold you to it. So um, this is the, the reality of what the church teaches, and that fidelity needs to exist even if the legal breakdown um, has to occur. 
um, for the safety of everyone involved. Um, the, the fidelity needs to exist. And then when that fidelity is promised to someone else, that then is where we get into the area of, of real sin uh, and a real difficult situation. And then some of these situations are even more difficult to kind of unravel and figure out what's going on. I think when it comes to all of this, uh, it's good that we read the long form of the gospel today because our Lord again teaches us, and we've been hearing it a little bit these last few weeks, whoever does not accept the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. And so when we hear these teachings, we could want to be, get our defenses up, um, particularly if it affects our own personal life and our own immediate family. Um, we want to we explain it away. We want to say, no, that's, I don't want to accept that. I don't want to believe that. The church really doesn't believe that anymore. We do believe it. And this is God himself teaching us. Um, and we need to be open to receiving what God teaches us like children um, in a, with a real childlike trust. God is our loving father. He's teaching us something that, that leads us to happiness and, and that he knows us and he wants us to, to be happy, right? He wants us to, um, to, to ultimately share the happiness of beatitude in heaven. And so we need to be willing as children uh, of our heavenly father to accept what he teaches and to have that humility rather than saying, I'm going to make the gospel revolve around what I want, my way, my style. Just the arrogance of that, um, of explaining away the gospel because I don't like it. Um, we need to be children where, where we're willing to be taught, right? As a kid, you know, my, my parents taught me so many things. And it's not like, well, prove that to me or why this or why. Like, no, they, they taught me like, don't do, the, don't, don't do drugs, right? Don't do drugs. And as a child, you're like, yeah, okay, drugs are bad, right? Don't, don't do drugs. And then as a teenager and adult, you're like, well, is it real? You know, how bad is it really if everyone else is doing Now it's legal to, you know, smoke pot, okay? So how bad is it really, you know? But as a child, parents say, don't do drugs, okay? Like, I, I can trust mom and dad because I can trust that they, they um, look out for me. And then finally... Um, in accepting this, there's a reality that, that many, many, many of us will fall short of, the, of this high call. Many of us will struggle with this. And it, it could be a lifelong struggle, and it could be very, really um, difficult. But as I've said um, in the last weeks, we don't change the moral teaching of the church to kind of match to where I am. Rather, the church continues to call us higher. And... Um, and that we want the example, we want the examples of radical holiness, um, who people that live this, even in the face of seemingly incredibly difficult circumstances. Uh, and I, so I just want to share the story of, of a very good friend of mine who, um, who had a, a breakdown in, in his family. Um, he's a priest, um, and uh, at a certain point, um, after many years of marriage, um, his, his father just up and left. Um, just, just up and left the family, ran away with someone significantly younger, um, and just abandoned the whole family. And, and his mom is this example of, of and I, I'm very privileged to know her, of a real kind of saintly woman who now, you know, um, she's not super old, um, but recognizes that living marital fidelity looks different than she planned on her wedding day. And that she's living this with a real kind of um, heroic witness to the, the permanence of marriage. She believes that she is married. 
And she believes that her husband is in a very grave moral state. And she, she prays for him. Her way of living fidelity right now is, is praying for him. And even now, a few years after this has happened, um, that they, uh, you know, friends are like, oh, well, well, you know, go on a date. I want to, you know, want you to meet this person. You could go on a date. I'll fix you up on a date. And she's like, no, I, I'm married. Like, I am married and I'm living fidelity. It's not how I planned it. It's not how I wanted it. It's certainly not easy. But it is, this is what fidelity in my marriage looks like. When, we, when we're confronted with these teachings of our Lord, um, you know, we want to strive for holiness. Not, not many people would be able to live it the way that she is. Um, and, and, you know, but that is, we don't change the, the goal line because we personally fall short. Rather, we want to look to those examples and say, okay, I, I can just try. I could try to just get a little bit further today. I could try to just do a little bit more tomorrow. This is God himself teaching us. Marriage is written into creation. And so we should ask our Lord to give us um, a real love for his teaching. We should ask the Lord for the, the childlike hearts, to be open to how God wants to teach us and lead us, to see how marriage was written into creation, and to be able to live and defend that teaching even within our society. So seeing the beauty of marriage and striving each in our own way um, to live according to that beauty, uh, we can be filled with the, the life of happiness and beatitude that Almighty God wants to give us.